Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topics, Crawl, Sally Crawl, plus more on Palmette and the Western Fires. Sit back and relax and enjoy today's Daily Bolt. So, last night at this time, I had thought that by this point I would be talking about Sally having come on shore and the uh, storm surge uh, being uh, the up to 12 feet as it was expected and rainfall and maybe tornadoes. And we still have all those things ahead of us, as it turns out. Uh, there used to be a song uh, by the title of Ride Sally Ride, and I'm not going to go into the whole background of that song, just mention it because the appropriate uh, song for this hurricane is Crawl Sally Crawl. Sally Center is still offshore as of 6.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, it has moved even slower today than it did yesterday uh, for most of the day. Last night, you may recall that we talked about it moving to the west-northwest at 5 miles per hour. Uh, it has made a turn today, slowly but surely made a turn, and is now heading to the north at about 2 miles per hour. And it is still uh, roughly... Uh, 65, 66 miles or so south of Mobile, Alabama, and about the same amount southwest of Pensacola, Florida. So it halted its westward approach towards the Louisiana coast. Uh, tropical storm and hurricane warnings have been dropped for uh, the central Louisiana coast. There are still tropical storm warnings for the southeastern Louisiana coast, the mouth of the Mississippi River area, but they have been dropped for Lake Pontchartrain, and uh, now that part of Louisiana is on the western periphery of the storm. Uh, much more under the gun are the Mississippi and now the Alabama coasts, as well as the extreme western Florida panhandle, uh, which includes uh, the uh, vicinity of Pensacola and the big uh, Air Force Base that is there. Uh, at uh, 8 p.m. Central Daylight Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, uh, Sally was still a Category 1 hurricane. It actually lost some intensity over the last 24 hours, and I'll explain why that was the case in just a moment. Uh, but it is still moving northward at 2 miles per hour, and at this rate, uh, if it were not expected to uh, pick up a little bit of speed now overnight and into the morning hours tomorrow, it would be more than a day away from the center striking the coast. But it is expected to pick up some speed uh, from about this point on now that it's making the turn and will even continue to make a, a larger turn towards the north-northeast over the next uh, 18 hours or so. Uh, and so uh, landfall is uh, expected tomorrow, probably midday to early afternoon. It will be very coming in very close to Mobile, Alabama, one way or another. And that means the dangers from the storm surge uh, from the hurricane have shifted eastward. 
and as well the dangers from the uh, strongest uh, bands of precipitation have also shifted to the east and uh, there has already been uh, considerable thunderstorm activity over the Florida Panhandle, the southern parts of Alabama and Mississippi today, and a considerable amount of rainfall has fallen. The problem with Sally slowing down to this extent, this is reminiscent to a degree of what happened with Harvey in southeast Texas. It began, it began to uh, practically stall, but continued to produce copious amounts of rainfall along with the storm surge, and that uh, led to uh, record flooding for southeast Texas. We may find similar records in flooding set for Sally. Uh, it is possible that by the time Sally moves on through uh, into south central Alabama and you know, eventually into uh, central Georgia, that some parts of the Florida Panhandle, southern Alabama, southern Mississippi may receive up to 30 inches of rainfall. And this part of the country has not been especially dry this summer. It hasn't been super wet, but it has not experienced the drought like the uh, areas of the West. So what has been causing both the decrease in intensity and the slowing of the forward speed, they could be uh, related. There's certainly several factors involved here. One of the factors is the, is, uh, the fact that, as I mentioned last night in the podcast, uh, there was some dry air to the southwest of the tropical cyclone. And that dry air eventually allowed for the southern eye wall to erode, and the storm lost some of its intensity and organization. Uh, the satellite picture that I've posted from tonight, that's an infrared image, uh, and that infrared image uh, was taken... There we go, getting it up on my screen. It is from about uh, 6.01 this evening. And if you look at that structure, the, the color resolution, the enhancement there, you go from the uh, dark uh, black to the gray, to the white, to the blue, the green, the red, and finally the very dark red being the coldest and highest cloud tops. And there's quite an impressive uh, spiral banded structure on the eastern, the southeastern, the eastern, northeastern, and northern parts of the storm. There is a lot of much drier air to the west and to the south that still continues to be there, and that's trying to wrap its way back into the center of the storm. You can see there's a little tongue of the white uh, coming into the storm uh, very near the uh, central Florida panhandle. Uh, region and that is drier air. It's not super dry air, but it is drier than uh, the uh, airstreams coming uh, from other parts, uh, other quadrants of the storm, and so that is giving a break on the uh, development of the storm. The mid to, to upper level atmospheric shear, the vertical wind shear we've talked about before, has steadily increased today. That is also fighting the intensification of Sally, even though Sally has been over uh, quite warm Gulf waters in that part of the Gulf Coast. However, the slow speed, which is uh, occurring as a count of the turn, uh, given that Sally is moving into an area where the upper air atmospheric pattern is starting to change, uh, has allowed the storm to slow, and as we've talked about 
uh, not so much this year, but in previous uh, years, uh, talking about tropical storms on this podcast, uh, a, a tropical cyclone basically allows for water to be brought up from deeper layers underneath the sea surface. Those deeper layers will have colder water, colder water being denser than warmer water tending to be on the top of the sea surface itself. But the circulation of the hurricane, the lower pressure can actually allow, and the circulation of the winds can allow for some of that colder water from deeper levels to come up to the surface. And usually most tropical cyclones are moving fast enough that this doesn't become a negative feedback on the system itself. In Sally's case, because it has been literally crawling all day, uh, maybe moving 40 to 45 miles or so uh, since the sun came up, uh, that means that uh, the Sally is basically starting to bring up colder water, and that's starting to shut off what we call the heat engine of the tropical cyclone, the sea surface temperatures. So Sally's got a lot of things working against it. Uh, it is still expected to remain a hurricane as it approaches uh, the uh, Alabama coastline overnight and into tomorrow morning. Uh, it will start to speed up and that will cut off a little bit of the uh, negative feedback from the colder ocean uh, temperatures being brought up, this phenomenon called upwelling. Uh, but there's still enough juice to be able to continue uh, the system as a hurricane as it moves on shore. Right now, the biggest threats from Sally are the storm surge in the, the immediate vicinity of the storm, mostly the Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida Panhandle coastlines, and the heavy rain. And uh, this could very well be a record-setting uh, rainfall event for parts of uh, the areas that are going to be impacted by Sally. As it continues on, uh, after coming on shore tomorrow, it will move slowly into southern Alabama, start to pick up some more speed, and move into Georgia by early Friday morning. Well, sorry, late Thursday afternoon, be in central Georgia by early Friday morning, and uh, start to fall apart completely over South Carolina sometime during the afternoon and evening hours on Friday. Uh, if it can hold together to get to the Atlantic, there is a very small possibility it will regenerate, but uh, given that it's already been losing some punch and will lose more going over land, in particular some of the uh, higher terrain uh, of the area bordering the extreme southernmost Appalachians in Alabama and Georgia, uh, it's uh, not a very high probability at all. So we're already at 11 minutes into this podcast, and I have yet to talk about anything else. So we're going to quickly pivot to Paulette, which is now uh, almost 800 miles to the northeast of Bermuda. It also did not really become the major hurricane it was anticipated. Its intensity plateaued around 105 miles per hour uh, for much of the past 24 hours. It has weakened a little bit since. And as of 5 p.m. Atlantic Standard Time, that's the most recent uh, advisory with information, uh, Paulette is uh, moving rapidly to the east-northeast, about 30 miles per hour. Maximum sustained wind of 100 miles per hour, so it's a Category 2 hurricane. And uh, 
We'll continue off on this northeastern track for the next couple of days before turning south as a tropical storm. And it uh, looks like it has the potential to continue uh, to tropical storm strength all the way back into Sunday, given it will be moving southward into warmer waters once again. So Palmette is still with us, and it may come back for another round. Who knows? Uh, at this point, uh, certainly it looks like it will maintain its integrity as a tropical system, uh, but it is not clear whether that will last uh, much past Friday or not. It may not. Uh, it's very close to the mid-latitude jet stream right now. There may be enough interaction with the mid-latitude westerlies that it will just become a strong uh, extratropical cyclone. Uh, at any rate... Uh, well, keep an eye on Paulette and see just how it continues to evolve. One last word for today is on the Western Fires. There is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for at least parts of the Pacific Northwest. There is a larger scale weather system slowly approaching the northwestern coast from the North Pacific. And it does look like that by uh, the time we get to Friday, we will have some shower activity in the coastal ranges and the, the Cascades continuing on into Saturday. Any precipitation at this point is helpful for the firefighting efforts, uh, and it may help reduce the smoke just a little bit for a short period of time. Uh, it then looks like it will be another four, five, or even six days potentially before the next system uh, reaches the Pacific Northwest, although that does appear as if it will be a stronger system and a heavier rain producer. So there is potentially some light at the end of the tunnel for Washington and Oregon. California, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, you're kind of still out of luck. Uh, this next system approaching the Pacific Northwest does not look like it's going to bring enough moisture far enough south to do a lot of good. Perhaps to a couple of the fires in extreme northern California, but for the larger fires that are more in the uh, east central and uh, southeast parts of the state uh, in the Sierra and along the coastal ranges and the western uh, areas of California. Uh, it does not look like there is any relief in sight from precipitation uh, until at least late next week. Uh, there may be some wind shifts which will help move the smoke around and give some folks a break at the expense of other folks, but uh, weather-wise, uh, the western fires in California Nevada, Utah, Arizona, uh, are still likely to keep burning uh, without much abatement over the next seven days. Uh, bad news for them, good news for Washington and Oregon. On that note, I'm Dr. Jeff Tilley. This is the Daily Bolt. Have a good night, good morning, good afternoon, and stay safe.